We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In the U.S. Army, you can make a choice to make your mark. With over 200 fields to choose from, you can join forces with us and take on anything. Visit GoArmy.com to answer, what's your warrior? Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is episode 84, and we have got a jam-packed episode. The Cleveland Browns are 2-1. and one. We will talk about their game, their win over the Chicago Bears, and their upcoming matchup in Minnesota against the Vikings. Plus, the Cleveland Indian season is wrapping up. We will talk about the last ever Indian season. We'll do our tribe recap, all that. Plus, we got our Garage Beers of the Week, our three cheers of the week, and so much more. So coming up the driveway, open up your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. And welcome on in, everybody, to episode 84 of the Garage Beers podcast. Go find us online at The Garage Beers on all of our social media, including on Instagram, on Facebook, our YouTube page, our TikTok, TikTok account, and so much more. As always, here on the Garage Beers Podcast, we are brought to you proudly on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Go check them out at Belly Up Sports and on the Unhinged Radio Network as well. I am your host, Michael Keefe. Go find me at Garage Beers Mike. And with me, as always, the two best co-hosts in the game. Over on the east side of Cleveland, you can find him at Garage Beers Chad. It's Chad Meyer. What's up, Chad? Hi. Hi. Boys, uh, it's been a pretty good day. Uh, I, I got to say this much. And the reason for that is uh, I, I just tried the smoked brisket from Chipotle. Ooh. And it is pretty damn good. Highly recommend it. Uh, yeah, that's it. I must have got a good batch, like a fresh batch, because it was delicious. Nice and tender. That's it. I, I don't. Yeah. Okay. Like, I love brisket and smoked brisket and all that. But like from Chipotle? It's good. I guess it's their own version, man. I would I would recommend uh, giving it a try because it had a it, it was it had a nice little balance of sweet and heat, which is which is right up my alley. So uh, so it was good stuff. Well, if anybody's got mediocre taste that I am may or may not trust, it's Chad Meyer. Well, listen, no, 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 no. You're wrong there. You could trust me with mediocre taste. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the high class stuff that you shouldn't trust me with. <laughs> That's a really good point. So 
Chad, uh, having a good day because he had smoked brisket from Chipotle. And if that doesn't make your day good, I don't know what will. Right. Uh, uh, so while he is just enjoying that. I don't know how my Nashville. toilet will feel later. but <laughs> <laughs> Probably the, as bad as it always feels when it looks at your ass coming probably, down at it. Probably. <laughs> uh, uh, down in Nashville, Tennessee. Find him online at Garage Beers. Joe, it's Joey Whalen. What's up, Joe? Boys, I'm excited. I'm excited. Go on. I had a good week. Um, and I, I hate to bring it back to this, but I had a really good softball week this week. <laughs> what? And it was what? unexpected. Uh, first of all, it was Monday night. And uh, we had a game at 9 o'clock at night, which is just awful. Like, so late. I, you know, I got to work in the morning. Like, I don't want to go to a game at 9. And uh, so the team went out to a hot chicken place before the game. We'll catch some Monday night football, get some food. Uh, well, our food didn't end up coming out till, you know, pretty close to game time. Like we were probably like an hour, or 45 minutes out from game time when we started eating. And I don't know if you've had hot chicken before. I know Michael, you had. Oh yeah. It's hot. Like it, it, it that gets some acid reflux going. That gets uh, some indigestion <laughs> going. A lot of things you probably don't want to run on afterwards. Uh, so we get to the game. We're all feeling just like absolutely dejected. Like we're warming up and we're just looking at each other like, Oh, Oh no. Like things are moving. That shouldn't be moving at this time of night. Oh. Uh, so thankfully I had some Tums, but we get out to the game and I decided to have myself a ball game. I had, uh, <laughs> I was four for four, two doubles, two, three run inside the park home runs and 10 RBIs. <laughs> you were playing the worst team in the league. I don't know, man. I, I was moving around those bases with that hot chicken moving with me. <laughs> And it was, it was, I, I usually not like conceded. I try not to be, I was impressed with myself after that game. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of a big deal. Listen, nobody plays softball with just a belly full of spicy ass hot chicken. Right. Like Joey Whalen. Unfortunately, what what you got to figure out is how to play when you don't have a belly full of hot chicken. Well, now I have like a reputation. I think I have to do that before every single game now. Yeah. Leaving like little chips of shit as you're running around the bases. People don't want to tag you. (laughs) We did. We did. I did bring, I had this, this Costco pack of Tums that I brought. Cause I, I was thinking like, you know, it might be like a weird combination to play softball right after this meal. Uh, and the Tums, I think, did help a little bit, but I did have to take pretty much a full half inning after each one of the home runs and just, like, sit in kind of like a fetal position in the dugout and, like, <laughs> like pray and just, like, hope that I wasn't going to spew on the field. Dude. Just just leaving just leaving a trail of gas behind him as he's running around. <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's either maybe, that's why we, maybe that's why we won. They just, like, rolled over because they were like, we, this smells horrible. Chips the shit of your crop dusting, guys. all right well i didn't see that coming uh listen uh i don't know that i would recommend anybody going out and getting a belly full of uh, hot chicken before any uh uh, physical activity but if 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 it can make joe go four for four with two inside the park home runs maybe we should all be doing it i'm just saying the new steroids maybe it's steroids if you see nick chubb or cream hunt have kind of like an off day or like maybe jarvis needs a little extra motivation to get back from his injury it might be a hot chicken before game time. That might be hot the way chicken. to go. 
Pre-game meal, hot yeah. chicken. No big deal. I'll, I'll, I'll try juice of line. Just say, hey, man, just, you know, yeah. get some hot chicken before you go out after you get off the uh, the IR. Maybe that's a drop juice of line. What do you got his phone number? Maybe that's what maybe that's what Lamar Jackson had for the pregame meal. Remember last year in the game when he oh. ran back to the locker room? Everybody thought he had to go take a yeah. dump. Just a giant dump. Yes. <laughs> hey, he might have. He might have. Yeah. Right. Oh, now we have to think back to sports moments that maybe were, were hot chicken induced. <laughs> oh, the Michael God. Jordan. What a great segment. That, was, that wasn't the flu. That was hot chicken. That was hot chicken. <laughs> yeah. I was particularly like hot and sweaty during that game. And it was like a nice cool night. And like the first time around the bases, I was like, Oh my God, it feels like it's 90 degrees outside. <laughs> All the cayenne is just radiating from my esophagus. I am impressed with your willingness in a meaningless softball league. I'm impressed with your willingness to use what can only be described as performance enhancing drugs. Right. Oh. I actually like go all out in the softball league. Like there will probably be some injuries at some point that we're talking about on the show. Like <laughs> I got, you know, it's, it's all I got. So I, I'm working from home, home dude. Like I, I just need to get out of the house and like do my activities, my field aerobics. My, leave all out there. My field. Aerobics. You know what? Have somebody videotape this uh, so we can see what that blazing speed looks like next that time. Should be, that, should be a show that should be a show content video. I need you to go like, like, like have Maddie film you going to hot chicken and then like your journey through the softball game. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that next game. Actually, yes, that needs to happen. <laughs> yeah, done. yeah. All right. All right. So uh, Chad's over there just having a good day because he had some brisket from Chipotle. Yeah. Joe Get is jealous. Joe has found the secret to uh, success as a man in his late 20s coming to the end of his uh, athletic career. But the hot chicken oh, might be there's still disc golf. There's still disc golf. Hang on. Uh, yeah, all right. Whatever. We can still do that. <laughs> uh, uh, what the hell, Richard? Isn't that the video uh, online where the, the guy throws the disc golf, the disc over the highway? <laughs> Yeah. Oh what God! Yeah, fuck Richard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, the, uh, fir- the first time I ever played disc golf. Quick disc golf story. Uh, we have a course right here that's that's uh, in a park in Willoughby, which is right by the lake. I mean, the first hole is right by the lake. It's my first time ever playing disc golf. I oh, take no. the, I take the driver. I'm like, yeah, I'll just whip this right out there. It'll be great. Uh, the wind picks up, just <laughs> sails it right out into Lake Erie. I'm just I'm like like sixty bucks later out of this like disc golf set, I'm out the driver. So whoops. <laughs> whoops. Well, Chad, you are a protege at disc golf. Uh boys, right. I'm 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 doing pretty good up here. I so I'm out of town this week. I am in Massachusetts, uh in Worcester, Worcester Mass. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. up here for work, just hanging out in the hotel tonight. Uh good to see you boys. It's been a long week uh being away from the wife and kids. But man, the breweries up here, just spectacular. Uh, I got I got a day of work left tomorrow, and then we're gonna spend the evening tomorrow night in Boston before I fly home. But uh, yeah, it's 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 been weird being away for work. Uh, I haven't had to travel in quite yeah. some time for work, and I'm 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 on the road again. And uh, uh, yeah, it's it's good to have you guys. Uh, so again, we've got a great episode planned. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to get through, a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, before, but before we get into all the things we're going to do in the episode, of course, we're going to start with our favorite segment of every week, and that is our Garage Beers of the Week. And Chad's gulping his down right now, so I'm going to send it to him first. Chad Meyer, what's your Garage Beer of the Week? Uh, nothing fancy this week, fellas. Uh, just very simple Miller Lite. That's all. Like in the old school wow. can. Yep. 
nothing uh no, yeah again yeah nothing too fancy great taste less filling i don't i'm not sure which one it was in those battle commercials back in the day but uh yeah between them and bud light but yeah miller light that's it just real simple you know miller light and i don't even really like miller light but miller light will always have a special place in my heart because at cleveland municipal stadium uh back in the day before there were like jumbotron scoreboards and video boards and all that Cleveland Brown Stadium scoreboard was one of those like pixelated like picture kind of scoreboards. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if you remember, uh, but at Indians games, they would play the Miller Lite commercial on that scoreboard. But it was basically just a pixelated umpire and a pixelated coach. <laughs> yeah. And like the coach's mouth would move and it would be just be like, ah, ah. and then it would say <laughs> great taste. And then the umpire's mouth would move and it would be like, ah, ah. and it would say less filling and it would just go back and forth. And that that's one of the great uh, one of the great scoreboard videos ever. So Miller Lake, you, great great choice, good place, you, good place in my heart. You've always you always have like a special place in your heart for like the, all the old like nastier type beers. Like where are you at with Strohs? Like do you have a story with Strohs there, Mike? I don't have a story with Strohs other than I mean it's Strohs. I like it, it's, <laughs> it's again we we have said it we and we haven't done it in a long time and maybe we should uh, plan this out for one of our weeks. We haven't planned like a cheap, like old man beer episode in quite a while. We used to do that right. every once in a while. Right. But I love the cheap old man beer episode. Stroh's, Blatt's, PBR, Miller Lite. I think if we do Getting that, I want to do a uh, blind taste test of all the beers to see if I can. Well, get collecting. So yeah. get start your collection. Uh, so Miller Lite for Chad. Joey, down in Nashville, oh, what do you got for your Garage ooh, Beer of the Week this okay. week? Um. Going back to Monday Night Brewing from Atlanta, Georgia, but they also have a brewery here in Nashville. And I'm doing their Blood Orange IPA, which is very tasty. It's uh, it's kind of just like a blue moon with like hops and body. I guess Ooh. blue moon is, you know, blue moon is a little more creamy. This is more hoppy. Uh, but it's good. I wish I had an orange with it, honestly. It'd be actually really good with an orange. Uh, but yeah, Blind Pirate Blood Orange IPA by Monday Night Brewing. All right. That sounds, I, it's hard for me to like picture the taste that you're describing, but it sounds pretty good. Yeah. All right. I like it. I, I will drink many more of these. So on this podcast, uh, <laughs> Monday Night Brewing making a return appearance on the podcast, and my brewery uh, bringing it over to me is going to also make a return to the podcast. Ooh, it's my guess. favorite brewery. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and guess it. Treehouse. Oh, so, God. boys. I'm in Worcester, Massachusetts. Oh, I will say before I, you get started, you did. Uh, was it an Instagram live? Of yeah. The inside of the brewery and some of the outside. That place looks so cool. I'm telling you, like, there's no way for me to adequately describe this place. You just yeah. have to go. Yeah. I'm about 25 minutes from Treehouse Brewery, the main the main brewery uh, in Charlton, Massachusetts. So, of course, the first night we're here, we're like, well, we're going to Treehouse. So I go and pick up my routine. It's the same thing I do every time I travel to Massachusetts. I pack a bag. I pick the biggest bag that we have and I pack it half full of clothes. So I had, I had about 25 pounds of a bag coming here because I get 50 pounds going back. And then I come here and the ratio is about a pound of beer. So I can pick up 20 to 25 beers put them in the suitcase, bring them back. And I'm still at 50 or under on my weight, which is great. So boys, for me this week, Treehouse Brewery, uh, they call this, uh, uh, I don't remember what they call this, the stutter. Oh, they call it the stutter. Uh, it's called a juice project 
uh, but it's the hops are citra plus citra. So it's like double the citra hops. Ew. Uh, and they call it the stutter because it's spelled J J J U I C E E E. Boys again, a multitude of different IPAs up here, all new England styles, all incredible. This Ew. is a, this is a five out of five beer. I mean, it's absolutely incredible uh, as most of them are. And Joe, yeah. Uh, when I try to explain the brewery to people, there's two really cool things. When you walk in the main door of the brewery, there's like a gazebo <clears throat> or like, it's like a wood structure of a garage. And if you saw the Instagram story, it was on there. It's a wood structure of a garage. It's the size of the original garage that these three guys started the brewery in. And it's there to like remind them where they came from because now it is just a multi, 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 multi-million dollar operation. I think I told this story on the podcast before when trying to explain it, but they put an addition on and they borrowed like, they had to loan out like 35 or they had to, to take a loan of like 30, $35 million, something like that for their addition. And they paid it back in eight months. <laughs> like <laughs> it is absolutely incredible what this place does and how good this place is. So Jesus. Jesus, asshole, did you bust your zipper out yet? Uh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> uh, Treehouse, Stutter Juice Project, Citra and Citra, that's my garage beer of the week. Joe's got his Monday Night Brewing and a Miller Lite, because why not? That's Chad's. Those are our garage beers of the week. Sure. Uh, get onto our socials. Tell us what your garage beers of the week are. And let us know if you have any uh, suggestions for any garage beers for us to try, and we will do that in our upcoming weeks. So to you guys here on the podcast, cheers. To you, the listener, cheers. And now it's time for us to get into episode 84. We've got a lot of great stuff to cover. A lot of exciting stuff, a lot of fun stuff. Um, but we're going to start with a tribute. Uh, and um, uh, one of the, uh, just something very hard to read today. Um, something that that I got word from several people. Tim Alcorn sent me a text. Uh, uh, I got several text messages. Uh, a good friend of ours. Uh, a former guest of the podcast, uh, a very, very good friend of mine, uh, Matt Lodi, passed away um, yeah. today after a two-year battle with cancer um, and the most courageous battle, uh, the most uh, the most open battle, a man that talked about it openly. He wasn't afraid of it. Uh, he fought it, though he knew what was coming because every time he turned around, there was a setback. Every single time he had a little hope, the cancer crushed it. And yet he pushed forward. And his attitude was always good. His attitude was always just turn the corner and move on to what's next. And I talked to my wife a few weeks ago when I was talking to Matt. And Matt was telling me that he was starting to have some trouble breathing frequently. And, uh, uh, kept going in and out of the hospital. And he was putting this all on his social media. And I talked to my wife. I said, I have a bad feeling. And Matt was just the kind of guy, though, mm -hmm. that even though I started to get very nervous over the last couple of weeks, um, he also never really felt like it was going to get him. No. Because Matt was battling and fighting to the very end. Yeah. Uh, Matt Lodi passed away today, and it was... Um, it's a hard pill for us to swallow. Chad, I know you worked with him uh, like I did for WEOL. Yeah. And you got to know him a little bit. Um, you know, if you want to say a few words about Matt. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, Matt and I, you know, 
you know, you were, we didn't have as close of a relationship uh, as you did, uh, as you did with him, Mike. Uh, but, but we did talk frequently and often because uh, I mean, anybody, anybody who's anybody in, in the local sports scene up here in Cleveland knows who Matt is. I, I mean, you, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody not, working uh working media in the cleveland sports scene that that, that doesn't know matt and he would cover the Cavs, uh, you know and i've talked about it plenty of times on this podcast i you know i work for that in arena scoreboard show uh at, at the Cavs, and, and matt covered them for you know various outlets and i would see matt in the halls often you know whether and and we'd stop and we'd chat for you know five ten minutes however much time we had you know sometimes we ate dinner together uh in 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 media dining, you know, and, and we would just have great conversations and, and, you know, we, from busting each other's chops to, to, to life advice, to, to, you know, how, how we, how we can work our way up, how we can improve ourselves. You know, Matt always had some, some sort of piece of great advice for me. And he was always, he was just one of the most kindest, most genuine, most funny guys that I've ever, I've ever met. And, and you know, I'll tell you one thing. For as sad as for as sad as it was to see him, what what seemed to be a, a losing battle for with cancer, you never thought, you know, it, it, you you wouldn't have thought it coming from Matt because he just he just soldiered on. That's all he did. Every setback he took, like you said, Mike, he's he, he soldiered on. He stayed positive. He put he put it in God's hands, uh, you know, and it, it was just it almost became just. He, he never let he never let cancer kill his spirit, uh, and that was one of the nice things to see. And I'm just I'm going to miss our chats so much, you know. And like you said, Mike, we did WEOL games uh, together, and you know we would crack jokes uh, and, and just have such a good time. And yeah, I, I'm going to miss him dearly. I looked up my last text messages with Matt, and it made me smile at a time where I just wanted to burst out in tears today. Uh, uh, I was asking Matt how he was, and he was telling me it wasn't good. Yeah, as it frequently wasn't for two years. Yeah, uh, but Matt quickly and effortlessly changed the topic to my family and my kids and me and how's my wife doing and how's Katie. And he yeah. goes, and 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 it is his quote in the text messages is is uh, and and it's a crushing thought because Matt also talked about him and, and his beautiful wife, Shanna, and, and, and their want to have a family uh, and, and the process that they were starting to go through for adoption when the cancer thing came down. Yeah. And he, he had a great quote in my text. He's like, you just let me know when those little kids are going up for sale. He's like, <laughs> I'll give you 50 bucks each. I'll give you 50 bucks for one of them or 80 for the 80 for the pair. If you're good for it. Uh, and he, he just, I'm so glad uh, before he was gone, he was able to come over to the house, him and Shanna, they were able to hang with the family. Uh, uh, he got to know Patrick a little bit. This was before Lucy was born. Uh, but then the other <laughs> thing that I had was uh, I sent him a video on his birthday uh, back earlier this year of Patrick singing him happy birthday and how much he loved that. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, listen, it's it's surreal that our buddy's not here. It's surreal that uh, cancer didn't beat. Matt Lodi, uh, Matt Lodi showed the whole world uh, that cancer didn't beat Matt Lodi. He was an inspiration to everybody, as you can see, because if you're a Cleveland sports fan, 
you can't get onto social media right now and just not see Matt Lodi's name everywhere. They were talking about him on the Indians game tonight. They most certainly will talk about him through Cavs games. Uh, you know, like I said, Tim Elkhorn sends me a text. Uh, uh, his his effect on this town, not just because he was so knowledgeable about what he talked about and his sports and all of that, but his effect on the town because he was just genuinely the nicest guy. Yeah. He just genuinely was a guy that took his time when he was sick. And when this podcast started before anybody was saying yes to come on with us, right. uh, Matt Lodi took his time to come on and talk some Indians with us. Uh, and, and he just was a friend and he was a great guy and I'm going to miss him like crazy. And I'm going to miss just picking up the phone and texting him. And, uh, uh, and I know we will all miss him here as well. So uh, again, that's just our, we wanted to give a little tribute to our buddy, Matt, uh, to his family, to his beautiful wife, uh, to his friends, to everybody that knew him. Uh, you know, obviously our thoughts and prayers go out to everybody. Uh, but, you know, Matt Lodi, brother, man, I will miss you like crazy. Yeah. I never, I never, you know, kind of funny. I, I always razzed him about how old he was because he was just, he always seemed so much younger. Like I knew, I knew he was around in the sports scene forever and he started, but like, he was, he was only 40, he was only 46, but I'm like, how old are you right now? You've got, you've got to be at least 60, buddy. <laughs> like, you've been around for like, like I would just always joke about how old he was, but uh, yeah. So I'll, yeah, I'm going to miss him a lot. And I loved him even though he was a Steelers fan. Oh God. <laughs> we won't talk about that. Anyways. Uh, uh, again, our thoughts and prayers go out to the Lodis, the family, the friends and everybody else uh, that Matt touched. And that's a lot of people. Um, so we will move on with our show here, episode 84. And now, boys, uh, uh, and we thank you for indulging us talking about our friend. Uh, and again, if you knew him, you you know where we're coming from. Uh, but now we're going to try to somewhat gracefully move on and talk about a team that he didn't like very much, but the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and, and the fact that the Browns are two and one. And, uh, you know, we talked about it kind of a little bit chat, even though nobody saw it because for some reason, Instagram didn't record oh, our conversation oh, with sound. Oh, oh, they saw it. They just didn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, first of all, I'd like to start our Browns conversation guys. I'd like to start by thanking the people that support the podcast and then follow us uh, on Instagram because we went live on Instagram. Chad and I went live on Instagram <laughs> to kind of recap the Browns game. And apparently it wasn't recording with any sound whatsoever. And yet several of you just decided to kind of like it to, to promote the post a little yeah. bit. Oh, listen, we appreciate you. Even though you couldn't hear a damn word we yeah. were saying. Oh, they're so cute. Those old guys, they're trying to, they'll figure it out. Oh my God. Like, the big tags and the streams and all the lives <laughs> at some that. point. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I, I'm usually supposed to check in on those and make sure you guys are like doing okay. You're the guy that's supposed to help us with that shit, twenty-something-year-old um, man. On yeah. asshole. I, you know, to be fair, I was playing um, um, some gentleman games uh, while watching the Ooh. Browns game, and I probably well, would not it. have been good to be on that live. At the some moments. gentleman games, like were you wearing a smoking jacket and playing like no, cri- it's just cribbage. No. No. It's the gentleman's it's game. It's the gentleman's game. What? Chad, what? do you not know the gentleman's game? Uh, no, no, I don't. Should we explain it real quick? After you, my friend. Yeah, this is the Garage Beers podcast. This is something that everybody should know. There's a there's a thing called the gentleman's game. Shout out 
I don't know who created it. But shout out to my friend, Bill Ridman, who brought it to my attention. Uh, it's about as simple as it gets. Yeah. Two competitors. Okay. Game faces on. Okay. Sit down with a full beer. Full or, beer. or seltzer. Highly, it would highly recommend to play with either a light beer or a seltzer because shit gets crazy. We played with Miller okay. Lights and it, that was even like a little much. Yeah. So here's the game. You take a coin. You flip the coin. One person is heads and one person is tails. When the coin lands on heads, the person who is heads is allowed to fill up their mouth as much as possible with whatever they are drinking, but they're not allowed to gulp. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so one, you're not allowed to one swallow. One swallow. So you fill up your mouth as much as possible with that drink, and then you drink. And you just keep doing that, heads and tails, until one person finishes their drink. Okay. So it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound all that crazy maybe up front until you realize that once you really get into it, you start drinking these beers in about four swallows <laughs> and then you just load up and play again. And oh God. if your heads and the coin is hitting heads, I think I hit probably about 10 in a row. Yeah. It was like a beer and a half. Like we were, well, <laughs> maybe not a beer and a half. It was like a beer, then give and take a little bit. But like I was down two beers pretty quick. <laughs> it moves. It okay. moves effort, effortlessly fast. Yeah. And this is not like a this it's you would think because it's kind of a relaxed game, you would think it'd be like a relaxed situation. It's not. It's intense. You get you get absolutely obliterated quickly. And yeah. so gentleman's game is kind of an ironic name for it okay. uh, because you don't turn into much of a gentleman once you play it. But okay. it's a good time. All right. It's a great right. time. Sounds cool. It's, like it's it. perfect for watching a game where you're just like, especially like small groups, just sitting around and like, well, you know, let's spice it up a little bit, I guess, and drink really fast. Listen. Or like in a commercial, like a commercial break will happen in a Browns game yep. and you play a, a gentleman's game during the commercial break. Yep. Listen, I like the classy, uh, the classy name. Uh, I feel classy. like I, I feel like you should be uh, I feel like you should be uh, wearing suits while you're while you're doing this. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. That's yeah. a good, that's a good one. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's, it is. Yeah. You, you do handshakes. It's, it's an overall good time anyways. So boys, let's talk a little bit about the Browns and their win this week, a dominant victory over mm-hmm. the Chicago bears uh, where the clamoring the first two weeks. And obviously we will talk about the bears offense, which is, <laughs> but the, the, the clamoring the first two weeks was Joe Woods and the offense and, they weren't able to stop the Chiefs. And then in week two, they weren't hardly able to stop the Texans. Uh, the Browns came out and stopped the Bears to the tune of nine sacks, yeah. including a Cleveland Browns record, four and a half sacks in one game by Miles Garrett. Yeah. Uh, an absolutely dominant performance that we all are sitting here talking about how the Bears uh, only got off 47 passing yards total in the game, but they didn't run the ball either. They yeah. didn't do anything offensively. The Cleveland Browns defense dominated that game and literally just made it. The, the other side of that coin, guys, is that offensively for the Browns, they're good enough to where the Bears defense was playing pretty well. But offensively, they were just had the ball enough that they were just able to score points and, and get up to, to a good, respectable point total. It was a dominant game. Oh, yeah. dude, if, if the thing is, if we... 
if it would have been a normal quarterback, like, I don't know if it was Andy Dalton or Nick Foles back there, we might've been talking, you know, differently. We might've been talking about how this was a defensive struggle because the bears defense played really, really well. The bears defense had five sacks. That's in, in, nice. in, a, in, in a normal game. That's a really good defensive game, but the, but this, but, a, you know, the Browns defense did exactly what they were supposed to do against a rookie quarterback. They were aggressive. They, they disguised things well. And, and, I mean, my God, you know, you talked about it, Mike. Miles Garrett, four and a half sacks. You know, it, it seemed like everybody got in on the party, you know, between Miles and, and Jadavion Clowney, who isn't really a sack guy. But, you know, Malik Jackson, JOK, everybody. It was just a sack party that game. And, uh, yeah, it, this, was the, this was the defense everybody was waiting to see from the Browns after all those awesome acquisitions this offseason. Have you ever seen a worse performance from an offensive line, though? Like in any oh, no. singular game? No. That was, I mean, just absolutely atrocious. I mean, not that, like, you know, I think we say all the time, like, you know, a win is a win of, no matter who you're playing. It's an NFL team. Like, it's still yeah. the best of the best, even if it's the 32nd best NFL team. It's still best of the best. Um, that was so bad like and you know not that like justin fields was going to light up anything last sunday but like he definitely wasn't going to in front of that line people were calling for people were calling for matt Nagy's head that day everybody on espn did everybody on espn did because they said that they said that game plan was either negligent or intentional like i don't i have no idea if it was free i know it was bad obviously because 47 yards of total offense it's bad, but yeah. What, I well, mean, you, what was it on like on like sixty percent of his snaps or something? They went minimum protection. They just went five man protection, sent everybody else out. Yeah, right. The Browns right. just destroyed it. They just right. there was no. There was a picture. Somebody freeze framed a picture on one of the sacks where there were three Bears linemen laying on their back as like four Browns players were chasing Justin Fields. Like <laughs> yeah. it just was. A, a comedy of errors for the bears. And, and I agree. Listen, uh, if everybody, I, I think it was Dan Orlovsky that said this uh, on one of the shows on ESPN, everybody wants to talk about how Justin Fields, this is his first start. That's fair. Like that's fair. Don't expect him to come out and throw for like 400 yards and four touchdowns, mm-hmm. but this is, this is your, your weapon. This is your guy you traded up in the first round to get to act like you didn't have a game plan ready for him. Right. Like you didn't have a package ready. Right. You're yeah. that stupid. Right. That's 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 the I agree with them. I'm not too overreactionary on things. I think coaches. But like you, there's no way that you can possibly excuse the fact that you didn't have a game plan ready for this kid. Right. Yeah. And if you thought that was the best you could do, then you should not be a coach in the NFL. Right. Like, yeah. it, it just wasn't good enough. And like, I feel so bad for Justin Fields because, like, obviously you don't want them to beat the Browns, but like, I don't think anybody was expecting like that poor of a performance. And again, not necessarily all to his own fault. Like, he just was on in duress the entire game. Like, he didn't stand a chance back there. Well, and it, and, and it does. It makes you, especially with what you're seeing elsewhere in the league, I think there's sometimes where maybe you're so critical of the players out on the field that I, I'm not sure even I or, or the regular fan full, unless you've played in it fully understands how a scheme and coaching 
can ruin even a good player. I don't want to go crazy with this. I don't want to sound too crazy with this, but look at what else is happening in the league. Sam Darnold looks more than serviceable as a quarterback. I'm not saying he's the next big quarterback. Sure, sure. In Carolina, Sam Darnold has looked more than serviceable. He's looked like a pretty decent quarterback, and at no time with the Jets did he ever look like a pretty decent quarterback. So is that because all of a sudden he's a pretty decent quarterback? Probably not. It's probably because they know how to use him in Carolina and the Jets didn't have a clue for years. Or a rookie example, Joe Burrow last year. He played really well as a rookie quarterback with a very bad offensive line and like kind of minimal offensive weapons. And they still had a great game plan to get him winning. Well, not necessarily winning games, but like staying in games and performing well. Yeah. Well, and you know, and, 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 the, and the thing is, this is, this is, seems to become a pattern with Matt Nagy too, because Matt Nagy, yeah. Matt Nagy was coach of the year, uh, riding the back of Mitch Trubisky. Then all of a sudden, yeah. he, he just decided he didn't like him and and ruined him last year. I mean, he ruined Mitch Trubisky last year, uh, and, and it seemed like he had a game plan for Nick Foles. Fine, but you know, Mitch Trubisky, it was just. It was very skeptical, his plans or lack thereof for Mitch. Yeah. Hence him going to Buffalo. And, hell, you know, and Mitch seems to be doing great. He seems to be thriving in Buffalo as a backup. But, yeah, so it's very sketchy what's going on with Matt Nagy right now in Chicago. Yeah, real sketchy. On the other side, one thing that I was going to talk about, I was going to highlight some things in this game and get your guys' opinion. On the other side, I love Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, I love that man. I love that man. I love Kevin Stefanski. Here's why the Chicago Bears defense. Oh, Joe's over here talking into a muted microphone. Yeah, before we get to Kevin Stefanski, can we do one more thing on Adam Gase that I saw? No, not Adam Gase, but Matt Nagy, you can. No, it's Adam Gase. It had to do oh. with Sam Darnold. We're going back to Adam Gase. Okay, go on. Can I just real quick detour? Because I saw this graphic this week that was <laughs> it was the funniest thing. And like kind of to Matt Nagy's point, like it just proves that like like coaching, I don't know, like I don't necessarily know like how people can get to the position of an NFL head coach and like not be good at all at coaching. Um could be something that Matt Nagy is experiencing. Adam Gase definitely experiences this. Um this graphic is uh, what every team that he coached did the year after he left that oh, team. Oh, no. <laughs> so we're going to go back to uh, when he coached Marshall High Schools. Uh, I don't know where that's at, but the first year without Adam Gase, they win their state title. Nice. LSU's first year without Adam Gase, they win the national championship. Nice. Peyton Manning's first year without Adam Gase when he was in, I think, Denver. Uh, Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. Uh, Ryan Tannehill's first year without Adam Gase back when he was uh, in Tennessee. Uh, Ryan Tannehill won P- Comeback Player of the Year. Okay. And Sam Darnold's first year without Adam Gase. He's at 3 0. As a quarterback. Maybe don't hire that guy. Five pretty good examples. That's a good Browns hire back in the early 2010s. That's for sure. <laughs> Sign me up. Well, after they get turned down by the first 72. Uh, Chip Kelly takes him out to dinner for seven hours and then doesn't take the job. <laughs> uh, then you bring in Adam Gase. Yeah, sorry. Anyways, back to Kevin Stefanski. No, so there's a few things I want to highlight. Opposite of Matt Nagy. I love having Kevin Stefanski. Here's why. The Browns consistently, 
Now, could you say that maybe you'd want the Browns to get off to like hotter starts offensively in games? Eh, Sure. Okay. I guess, but the Browns consistently, even if they're struggling to figure out a defense like they were in this game in, in, in the beginning of the game where the bears defense were playing really well, the Browns consistently show improvement in the first half, go into halftime and come out and play significantly better offensively in the second half. Yeah. It's, it's not always, you know, you can say in the chiefs game, it didn't work like that because they got off to such a hot start in the chiefs game. But I would say more often than not, the, the Cleveland Browns and, and, and Stefanski and his coaching staff makes such good adjustments and they stick with game plans. It was hard going for the running backs for the Browns in most of the game. And then yet, if you look at like the box score of the game, the running backs, Chubb finished with 84 yards and Hunt finished with 81 because they kept giving those guys the ball. Mm-hmm. Those two guys ran the ball 32 times in the game. They, they stick with a game plan. Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt don't panic when things aren't going the right way immediately. They make minor adjustments here or there, and the team consistently gets better over the game. And before you know it, you look at this game where it's three nothing bears for a while and then three to three. And you're like, Oh shit, it's taken. It's taken us hitting miracle field goals to tie this game up before you know it. It's the fourth quarter and you're up by 20 points. Yeah. I love Kevin Stefanski and his staff. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And I mean, you know, you could even argue that the, the offense was still uh, playing well in the Kansas city game. Just remember in that third quarter, Kansas city had the ball for like nine or 10 minutes for that entire quarter. So the Browns barely had the ball in the second half of that game. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think it's really a, a testament to that offensive line. That offensive line in that first half really struggled. I mean, I, I, I mean, <laughs> again, the nine, the nine sacks were overshadowed. Uh, the, five sack, the five sacks the Bears defense got were overshadowed by the nine that the Browns got. Because otherwise we'd be talking about, I think the narrative in that game would be, man, this Browns offensive line is really struggling right now to block Khalil Mack. They're really struggling in the run game. But, you know, as the game wore on, you know, the more and more that good defense was on the field, the the more and more this Browns offensive line just wore them down. And it showed. It showed because, you know, one, two, three yards, three yards of carry to to begin the game. But then you saw uh, as that game wore on, and that how tired that Bears defense got. Chubb and Hunt, especially Kareem Hunt. For the love of God, Kareem Hunt. <laughs> he's a number I, one running back. He's as, angry. Much as, as much as I love Chubb, I I I I think I love Kareem that much more because it, 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 I, I've said this before, and, and this is what and, and it's such a perfect like sort of thunder and lightning uh, uh, combination that we've got here. Because even though they're both kind of the same size, but Chubb runs the ball with controlled aggression. Okay. Oh yeah. Kareem Hunt runs with reckless abandon. He just he just gets it and just and just goes. Like it's almost like he doesn't care about his body. So he just he just gets it and goes and doesn't matter. He's gonna throw you off of him. He's just I mean he's just gonna flail his arms. He's the fucking Tasmanian devil. And, and and I just love those two, but yeah. Anyway, but that's that's I, dude, what I, I think. I, I don't. I want to say this in a way that doesn't slander Nick Chubb. Uh, well, here's how the way I will put this: 
I wouldn't look at you straight in the face and tell you that Nick Chubb is better than Kareem Hunt. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing for the Browns. Right. But like running the ball, catching the ball, they're both elite. They're elite. You have two elite running backs on this team. But like yeah. I said, back to the back to the point though. Right. Yeah. That's that's, I was thing. circling back to that eventually. I got off track. Even when even <laughs> when they're struggling, Van Pelt and Stefanski maintain composure, continue to get the ball to those guys. Mm-hmm. Maintain composure, continue to get the ball. Again, we talked about this a lot last year, and it will always be the case. There are Browns fans out there who can't seem to get it through their skulls that you can't run the ball 72 times a game, pass it twice, and win. Right. So, like, Baker throws the ball. I I saw takes this week. Baker threw the ball 31 times. Oh, that's way too much. No, it isn't. Stop it. Because those guys ran the ball 32 times. It was an extremely balanced effort. They ran a lot of plays, which was nice. Uh, and they controlled the game offensively. They got to a point, especially in the second half, where they were just controlling the game. Yeah. And and they were grinding it out, and it was hopeless for the Bears. And it was – it got to a point – that game probably should have been more lopsided than it was. The Browns go for two – the Browns go for two fourth downs in the first half and don't get them. Right. Right. Uh, and if they take a field goal on one and maybe punt the Bears deep, maybe the Bears don't even hardly score in this game. Right. But I think Kevin Stefanski was confident in his team and his defense knew what was going on and he went for it. I just, the composure that he shows, right? I feel like he never makes bad decisions. And, and, and the coaching of Kevin Stefanski is what is going to continue to pro- propel the Browns to being a, a contender for the Super Bowl. I agree. And like, it's going to be... <laughs> And like Baker's going to throw the ball more in games where he plays good defenses. Do you know why? Because good defenses are going to make good offenses earn the yardage down the field. And that's exactly what the Bears right. were doing. That's exactly what the Bears were doing. They're stopping the run in the first half. So Baker was going to have to throw more. They were going to make Baker beat him in the first half. And that's, you know, why it's why he threw so much. Um, next highlight, I think, goes to a. Not not a gaudy or crazy, but I think just about a perfect return to the lineup for Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. It, yeah. Nothing was forced to Odell. The Chicago Bears were making life difficult all over the field for a long portion of that game. And Odell Beckham came out. He looked fast. He ran great routes. He got himself open. He caught five passes for 70-some yards. He had a he had a great end around play that picked up a first down, and he just looked. He was that guy that you looked at him out on the field and you went, "Oh, thank God he's back." Yeah, it's uh-huh. it's everything can open up when Odell Beckham is on the field because you can do so much with him out there. And I think the Browns game planned him perfectly. I think he played a great game. It was just it was so good to see him back out on the field. Do you think? Do you think uh, there was a part of that that wanted to? part of Stefanski's game plan that want that wanted to make Baker feel like he doesn't have to force it to Odell. Because like the reason why I asked that is because it would seem like Odell would come onto the field, uh, run a play, make a catch, then come off and then like two or three and then run like two or three plays without Odell. Well, I think, I, I don't know that it was to not have him force it. Cause I don't think they were forcing the ball to him. I think, I think there was just a little like, Hey, maybe let's not have him out there on 95% of the snaps okay. coming off of a knee injury. Here's my thing though. And, and I do think the, 
I do think there was a portion of time where there was a a disjointed forcing of the ball to Odell. But I also think people need to remember the best wide receivers get balls forced to them. Yeah. Because they're the best wide receivers. And so when Baker Mayfield's looking down the field and maybe he's looking for Donovan Peoples-Jones or Rashard Higgins or Austin Hooper, and maybe those guys aren't open, he's going to look over and he's going to look for Odell Beckham. And he's going to trust that Odell Beckham can maybe make a play on a ball that he doesn't necessarily, he's not throwing to an open receiver, but he's trusting that Odell can make a play. So I, part of me wants to see them force the ball a little bit to Odell Beckham because he can make the spectacular plays that can get them out of some trouble. So I don't mind a little bit of force as long as it's not disjointing the offense. That's what it was doing at first because you had a hill jack of a coach that didn't know how to handle anything. And and he didn't know how to game plan that. So it was it, the, the forcing of the ball to Odell was disjointing the whole offense. But I also want to see them. Yeah, like if, if something doesn't look open and you got Odell streaking down the field and the defenders with him, throw the ball to him. Sure. Because good chance Odell's going to come down with it. Uh, yeah. So, again, I thought he just I just thought he looked good. I, I thought he looked like he was healthy and ready to go. And I think you get Odell and Jarvis back. And the dynamics of that offense are just, you know, we still haven't seen a healthy offense. Yeah. We love the offense. The offense has been good. This was their lowest output of the season at 26 points. Uh, uh, so they've been really good, but we haven't even seen a healthy offense with like all the weapons out there that I'm super excited about. Uh, switch over real quick to the other side of the ball. Um, uh the score, the grade for Jeremiah Awusu Koromoa this week was like the highest grade a linebacker has received since like 2017 in, in a game. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> he's up for defensive rookie of the week, obviously, and he's going to mm-hmm. win it because he was that good. Uh, Jeremiah Awusu Koromoa looked like, at times, even with Miles Garrett setting a sack record for the Browns, JOK looked like the best player out on the field for the Browns. Like yeah. he was. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Oh, I thought Joey was going to say something. <laughs> Sorry. No. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I mean, that's you saw why uh, he's a first round talent uh, that that the for whatever reason dropped to the second round, uh, and and the Browns just went up and snatched him. I mean, that's that's exactly what the Browns were expecting when they drafted him. Is is someone who can. Is is this hybrid safety linebacker that can come up and make a hit? Uh, that can blitz is fast. That can cover receivers. Uh, he did he did it all, and yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. And hopefully, Joe Woods keeps him on the field more, as he hasn't been on the field a lot in these first two games. And which I think he will, you know, which I think yeah, he, I don't, he will I don't be think, on the field more. But I don't think you're going to see JOK coming off the field really hardly at all, just for little breathers here or there. I think I think he has. Earned his position, much like Grant Delpit has earned a position. Uh, still playing well, Grant Delpit. Ronnie Harrison played a good game back uh, uh, in this one. Uh, he didn't push a John coach. Johnson. John Johnson. <laughs> yeah, he didn't push a coach. John Johnson had an interception called back that probably shouldn't have been called back. The defensive backs look good. The linebacking core looks good. The 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 defensive line was. I mean, it's one of the great defensive line performances in any game ever. In this in this week, 
Oh, you can yeah. talk about the you can talk about the the fact that they went up against a bad Bears offensive line, which they did. But every every team goes up against a bad offensive line here or there every season. Not every team walks through with what this defensive line did. Jadavian Conley comes down with two sacks in this game, and it's like, ah, no big deal because Miles Garrett had four and a half. Right, right. You have Malik McDowell out there making plays. Like, these guys were just... They are hungry. It was absolutely dominant. Absolutely dominant. We talk about the sacks. Where was the running game for the Bears? All we talk about is the sacks. They couldn't run the ball to save their lives. That, no, that, they it, didn't necessarily have to even go to that right away because we didn't, I mean... Scored a little bit early, but we didn't necessarily jump out to like a huge lead. So it's not like they had to abandon that right off the start. They only they only gave the ball to Montgomery ten times, and he 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 got thirty four yards out of those ten carries. So I'm not sure why they didn't stick with it more. But uh, <laughs> it'd be nice for your fantasy. But I told you not to draft him. It'd been super right? nice. <laughs> no, it's fair. It's fair. It's just like I said. It just. Uh, it was as dominant of a defensive game. I can't, I don't remember. I don't remember the Browns, the last time the Browns played a defensive game like that. It felt like a game that we used to watch where the Steelers played the Browns and you had like Troy Paul Mullen making like 1,200 plays in a game. Yeah. And you had James Harrison just lighting the crap out of whatever poor quarterback we decided to throw out on that week. And like, right. It, it honestly Fry's felt like a, running for his life. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of felt like that a little bit. Yeah, it's it's it, it it was again offensively, defensively, special teams. How about special teams? Like Demetric Felton had oh, more more punt return yards for the Browns in the game yesterday or in the game this week than the Browns had punt return yards last year. Right. <laughs> what? That he had more crazy. punt return yards in the game against the Bears. Then the Browns had punt return yards in 2020. Yep. Every area of the game was good, even if it wasn't great. Even if the offense took a minute to get great, they still wore down the Bears and probably could have scored more points should they have wanted to, or not or not wanted to, but like been in a position where they really needed to. It, it was dominant. And uh, uh, in a game, you know, what it made me feel like was – in, in, I, it didn't matter whether it was Justin Fields or Andy Dalton. It didn't matter who was going to play. The Browns were going to dominate that game. And when you've watched the Bears play other teams so far this year, they've been in games they were not in this game. The Browns are that good. Uh, and that brings us to this week. So a great test coming up for the Browns this week. They go up to Minnesota. They hit the road for the first time since that week one game against the Chiefs. And they play a Minnesota Vikings team that's playing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, a Minnesota Vikings team that, assuming uh, that they're going to have Dalvin Cook back, he missed their game this last week, but they're saying that they think he's going to play this week. He will be. Uh, yeah, you're you're talking about a Minnesota Vikings team that you could take or leave. I, Kirk Cousins is the most average of all quarterbacks ever. Uh, but you've got guys like Justin Jefferson out there, like Thielen, uh, it's a good Vikings offense. It's not a great Vikings defense, uh, but boys, how are you feeling uh, as we head into this game with Minnesota? I feel pretty good. I mean, this was, you know, we played the schedule game last week with Cameron Justice. Um, I think we all picked a win for the Browns on this one. I think this would have been one of the games that I was leaning towards, like maybe having this as a loss just because, you know, I don't, Minnesota's not great. 
but I don't think they're bad. They're not going to roll over like the Bears did. They're not going to roll over like the Texans did. Not that they rolled over as much, but um, you know, I think that they're still kind of a scary team. They have a lot of history with obviously Kevin Stefanski. Um, so that could play uh, some factor into it as well. But I think that the Browns can go in and take away this one. Um, the defense is going to have to be pretty stout to slow down Dalvin cook. Um, if he is starting on Sunday, that'll, that'll be a, a really true test. They haven't had a runner like that yet this year that they've gone up against. Um, so that'd be a true test, but I mean, I think overall the Browns are going to come out with a victory here, but uh, it could be a little tricky one. Yeah. I think this is a win. I mean, I, I, and I think it really all hinges on is, is getting pressure on Kirk cousins. I mean, I know that's usually, I know that's a, a factor Every uh, for every team in every game is getting pressure on the quarterback, but you know, Kirk Cousins is 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 basically the Eli Manning of the league now. You know, he's he'll come out one game, yeah, yeah. he'll come out one game, throw for 140 yards and five picks, but then come out the next game, 360 yards and four touchdowns, uh, and and so it's I, I really think getting pressure is key because if you allow Kirk Cousins to sit back there and get the hands into the ball. Uh, it, get the ball into the hands of all of these weapons that he has on offense, because let's face it, you know, the weapons on this Minnesota Viking team is, are, are really good. They are They're really, really good. good between Teal and Jefferson and cook. Yeah. They're, they're really good. So if you allow him to sit back there and get the ball into the hands of those guys, I think it could be a long day, but I, I think the Browns are going to make the enough stops. And, you know, because it's not a, it's not a great Minnesota defense. So I think they'll be able to move the football and score points. It's really just a matter of can they disrupt Kirk Cousins enough to 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 win? And I think they will. So I think the Browns. Well, here's let's let's give Kirk Cousins. I want to give Kirk Cousins a little credit. Kirk Cousins is starting his start to this season is on fire. Yeah, he is. He huh? is completing almost seventy five percent of his passes. He's averaging about three hundred and twenty yards a game. He's got eight touchdowns through three games to no interceptions. Like his his start to this season is on yeah. fire. Uh, what did for... you say? Picking up him in fantasy. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, having said that, I think this is here's what this is a good test of. I, you know, I don't want to take I don't want to take the credit away from the defense for what they did against the Bears, but who knows what the Bears can do with what they've <laughs> got offensively. Bless Jesus you. Right. Holy <laughs> hell. Uh, who knows what the oh, Bears I don't think can I do. can even cut that out. I, that yeah. so loud. You know what? I you know what? That's it's like a whole it's like a whole showstopper when Chad decides to sneeze and <laughs> like to wake your damn family up when you did that? No, luckily I'm out on the porch, so mm. I just ah. woke up. So the just the neighbors. Yeah. Just the neighbors. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Jesus. Uh uh I think here's what I think. I think this is a Tremendous test for the defense that we were a little concerned about because I think your weapons are better on the Vikings than they are on the bears. Your quarterback is better right now on the Vikings than what you saw on the bears. Your offensive line is better on the Vikings than what you saw on the bears. They've only Kirk cousins has been sacked five times this year. So how does Joe Woods and the defensive staff game plan for a team that is more likely than not going to have a game plan of try to run the ball, first of all, and then hit quick passes to keep Kirk Cousins upright against a good pass rush. Mm -hmm. It'll be very interesting to see if Joe Woods and the defense are playing a little more pressure 
on the outside on the linebackers, or, or I'm sorry, on the tight ends, on the wide receivers, making them play a little closer up because that should buy a little more time for the defensive line to make plays. So it'll be very interesting to see if the Browns, I, I can't decide whether I think the Browns carry the mojo from the Bears game. Like, cool, we did it. Let's carry the mojo over. Or this could be one of those games that's very frustrating to watch because Kirk Cousins just sits there and dinks and dunks it on you. And there you go, watching watching Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney not be able to get any pressure because he's doing three-step drops and getting the ball out, and we're playing eight yards off. You're so also going to be, gonna be missing um, your best cornerback of the season. Uh, Greg Newsom will be out uh, on Sunday's game. So you have Greedy starting, who's only seen you know fairly limited time this year, although he has seen a couple – Couple plays here and there, but that that's a that's a pretty big hole in the secondary. I think I think Greg Newsom's come in and been very impressive these first couple games, and um, that'll be interesting to see how they handle that uh, going into this game against Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think that goes back to what you said, Mike. I mean, it's you know we talked about how soft they played against Mahomes. And like you, you take any defensive coordinator is going to play soft because it's you've got to be. There's so much to try to game plan for. It's Mahomes is dangerous, no matter you know. So you want to try to play a little softer to contain him. You, you know, you're going against a, a hot starting Kirk Cousins. I, you just I, you need to stay aggressive. I mean, you saw how it paid off for you uh, against Chicago, and and I think it needs to stay that way against a Minnesota team, a Minnesota offense. That's again, you know, the weapons are really good, and if you allow Kirk Cousins the time back there. And, you know, as, you know, per what you said uh, through his first three weeks, Mike, he's going to be able to pick this team apart. So you have to stay aggressive this week if you're Joe Woods. You cannot go back to, to what you did the first two weeks and kind of play back and play soft because those weapons are going to kill you if you do. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Again, I, I'm leaning towards – I'm bringing up things that I like or like a minor concern, but I'm leaning towards – it's it's kind of like that Chicago Chicago game is like – what the doctor ordered for the defense is kind of how I feel. And now you, they've got a little bit of the swagger and you guys were talking about the defensive backs. Yes. Newsom's going to be out. That's a bummer, but Jesus Christ, how much better are our cornerbacks than they've ever been? Oh, yeah. The fact that you can just be like, Oh, cool. Newsom's out. Greedy's going to play. Now you got Troy Hill also playing all the time. You got, you've got uh, uh, just killer defensive backs that can just step in. Uh, I'd rather have Newsom out there, but whatever. Uh, I, they're going to be okay. Uh, it's just the the level of talent you have everywhere is just incredible. <laughs> and so hopefully Joe Woods and the defensive staff say, hey, listen, we're confident in Greedy. We're confident in Troy Hill. We're going to play some pressure defense and try to let our defensive linemen eat. You know, what's funny is we don't even have to talk about the offense because the offense is the keys for the offense. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> just, just, keep, just keep on doing what you're doing. Well, this and this is a Vikings team that um, they're giving up almost thirty points a game. Yeah, uh, they they played well last week. Uh, they played well last week in their in their victory. They are one and two, uh, so they lost to the Bengals and they lost uh, to Arizona in over or um, was it overtime or was it just a last second? They missed a field goal at the last second. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is a defense though that I think the Browns will be able to run the ball on. I think Baker is going to be able to get, um, uh, you know, they got to stop Donnell Hunter. Uh, he's got four sacks on the season, uh, so they got to play well. But 
Uh, I think Baker's going to be able to get into a groove. I think offensively, I'm not at all concerned about what the Browns are going to do against the no. Vikings. It's not nearly as good of a defense as they played against Chicago. As long as they stay healthy, damn near every game for the Browns offense, you're just going to be like, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing <laughs> because it's, it's, it's going to work against most defenses in the NFL. So the Browns and the Vikings squaring off in that really cool stadium that before the season, I was like, I want to go see that. But then I didn't realize it was like week four of the season and life happened quickly. Uh, But the Browns and the Vikings squaring off this week in Minnesota, uh, the two and one Browns, the one and two Vikings, Uh, the Browns can get to three and one on the season. And really is just kind of that jump start uh, that they need because they've got the, who is it? Cardinals the week after. Right. Uh, So uh, it should be a fun. I think it's going to be a fun game, uh, and I do think, I think this is a chance to to get Baker really going too. That's the Chargers the next week. That's right. Uh, uh, it's a chance to get Baker going. It's a chance to get Chubb going, and I think uh, uh, I think you'll see a good good Browns outcome this week. Uh, so good week overall to talk Browns. Um, something else going on in sports in Cleveland this week, guys. We're going to shift gears away from the Browns a little bit and talk about a sport that we haven't talked about in well. I shouldn't say we haven't talked about it in a while. We just haven't talked about really the current iteration of it in a while. We've talked about past iterations and future, uh, but we haven't really talked Indians baseball, and the Indians are coming to an end this weekend. Uh, uh, The Cleveland Indians. Chad, first of all, I want to hear this. Yeah. I I took Patrick to a game last Thursday Uh just so that I could say we went to one last Cleveland Indians game. Right. Uh, You went to the last one. Yeah. Uh-huh. What was it like down there? How, how what was what was the vibe down there? Uh, the last ever Cleveland Indians game. Uh, honestly, it just felt like any other normal game. Like like you know there was there was the I, I forget his name. There was the sign guy who had the chief wahoo with the muscles on it. He brought a, yeah. he brought a whole bunch of different signs uh, to that game. None of them none of them were were angry. Uh, you know you know none of them were like oh I can't believe the Indians are gone. I can't believe like the the right. sucks. Screw it. None of them were like that. But, it, you know, it was more like, you know, the end of 106 years. It was like, uh, you know, it's this is my, you know, a, like 100 and some odd game. Like, like we're going to miss you. Outside of that, it didn't really feel I didn't really feel like any sort of anger. It just kind of felt like any other normal game, you know, uh, uh, but which was which was nice because it's it's it, it felt more like people are just caring that Cleveland baseball is still going to be here rather than you know, the Indians name was changing to the guardians. Well, that was the, that was the best sign out there. Uh, and it got tweeted out by a lot of different yeah. places, but there was a guy walking around with a sign that said, they're changing the name to the guardians, not the Ravens. Like yeah. <laughs> it could be worse for all you people right. that are complaining. Uh, uh, yeah. I thought it was cool that you were able to get down there and get to that last game. What a, what a cool moment. It's cool that you've got the tickets for the last ever Cleveland yeah. Indians home game. That's yeah. really cool. Uh, yeah, it was kind of the same down there. You know, I went on, on Thursday, and it was a little rainy and cold. I wanted to take Patrick. <clears throat> there was hardly anybody there because it was the back-to-back of a doubleheader. It was the second game of a doubleheader. Um, but, yeah, I, it, listen, it's not like this. I saw a couple people saying, oh, it's kind of like a funeral. It's kind of like a wake. That's not – it's not – Jesus Christ, how, <laughs> how, how freaking dramatic can we be about the changing of a name? It isn't that. It's just like a – um, for me, it was like a positive thing. Like, you know what? This is cool. I get to take my kid to one last game where they're the Cleveland yeah. Indians. We'll take a few pictures. I could show them to him when he's older. This was you at the Cleveland Save Indians the games. Yeah. Well, I don't know. They were, you had like printed tickets. I, 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 all I've had are been the digital tickets the whole Screenshot season. That. 
and you know what? Yeah. And, and, and you know the fu- and you know the thing is, as cool as that's going to be for Patrick, he's going to grow up a Guardians fan. He's not really going to even remember sure. it being an Indians game. You know what I mean? I'm I'm already a Guardian. You know, like that's <laughs> yeah. the thing. I'm an Indians fan for the next few days, and then I'm a Guardians fan. The right. minute I can get a Guardians hat, I'm getting one. Right. Like, because it's my baseball team. Jesus Christ! It's not. I don't care. That's that's been my point through this whole thing, right? Like. If they were never called the Indians, like let's say where they were just the Cleveland Guardians from the time I was born, then what? Nobody'd ever know different. Nobody. It's just the name of the team. So I thought it, I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool to be down there one last time. It's it wasn't like a funeral for me. It was just like a nostalgic boom, one last thing. Yeah. And now we can move forward with it. So I just I thought that was very cool that you got to be at the last game, um, boys. Uh, the Indians are just doing everything they can to finish the season at 500. It's been, I I don't know. Have you guys, so let's be honest. Let's have a moment of honesty, Joey, a moment of honesty. And I know it's, it's harder. It's harder for you because you live in Nashville. Have you, have you been watching any Indians games? It's not, it's not harder for me. Um, I, I got the MLB.tv and I like genuinely watch some portion of at least <laughs> games. Like, oh yeah, I will tune in and like watch at least a little bit of it, if not the full thing, at least a hundred games a year. Um, I haven't watched a whole lot recently. No. It's tough. It's really tough. It's tough because like, uh, you know, you just you knew what we had the past couple years, and like to see what they're putting out on the field this year. It's just really unfortunate. It was a really unfortunate season. And, like, yeah, okay, yeah, there were some injuries to the pitching staff, but, like, if you're make or break on one section of your team being elite the entire year, then you're not going to go well in the playoffs anyway. So, like, it was it was unfortunate. It is I, – I, I saw somebody put out – a potential Indians lineup for next year today. And it was the goddamn lineup from today. Like it was today's <laughs> goddamn lineup. It was like, we will sign nobody in the offseason. Right. There was no offseason acquisition. It was like, maybe they move a med Rosario to left field and Josh Naylor comes back. And then you, but like it was you Chang and like uh, Andres Jimenez and like, I was like, you can't come back with that lineup next year. You can't no, come back. Half those people will be gone. There's no way. This team. The, here's the thing I'm rooting for. Right now, the Indians are 77 and 80. They obviously means they would need to finish the season four and one. So they are tied right now with the Royals. They would need to finish the season four and one. Uh to get to 81 and 81 right now, they are minus 14 run differential. The thing that I am rooting for, and I, I don't remember, I saw this from somebody online. I'm sorry that I don't remember who it was, but the thing that I am rooting for is that they finish 81 and 81 with a zero run differential. Oh God. To just, to just, zero it to out. just fully describe how disinteresting this team was this year. Just how uninteresting, <laughs> unimaginably boring this team was this year. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if you have anything. There, there no. you go, Chad. There he is. I got There's nothing Chad. added to that. No, no. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, you want a moment of honesty? Yeah. I, I, I haven't been watching a ton. 
uh, lately. I, I, I just haven't. But, you know, I told you before, I told you on the recap that nobody heard. Uh, wait, maybe I did or didn't I? I don't know. I don't know when I told you. Maybe it was last episode. But, uh, you, you know, the Indians only have a finite amount of time before, you know, if the NFL season starts, they're, they're just kind of forgotten about. And, and that's exactly what happens. We, yeah. You know, especially now that the Browns are really good. Uh, yeah, the, the Indians only have a certain window before, you know, the, only the diehards show up to the ballpark. And, and you know, it, the, what they put out on the field this year is, is a testament to that. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, Mike, you know, it, it, it was boring. It was boring. It was, it was just, it was so just, interesting. it was mediocre boring. baseball. It wasn't, it, you know, it's, it's, which is fine, I, I, I guess, but it's, it's not going to attract my eye, uh, especially when I have a, 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 an AFC championship contending su- uh, a football team taking the field in what August <laughs> with camp. I'm, I'm more interested in camp stories than, than I am with Indians baseball. You're, you're two, two games better than the Tigers <laughs> is where we're at. That's bad. That's bad. You're two games better than the Tigers. My, my the father Chicago White Sox. Sorry. Look, go ahead. I say my no, father. My father-in-law told me he's going to become a Tigers fan now because of the Indians' name change. I said, "Ill." I said, "At least pick a good what, team." What a, what a stupid! <laughs> I saw I saw those posts on your uh, those those responses on your post on Facebook. I was like, "These people are idiots." Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, look at how bad the Central is, by the way. Terrible. The Chicago the Chicago White Sox, right? Ninety wins, <laughs> running away with the Central with ninety yeah. wins, yeah. running away. Great team. Great team. It yeah. is a great team. They're a good team. Uh, the Indians are 12 and a half games behind the White Sox and they're in second place. The Tigers are two games behind the Indians. The Royals are five games behind the Indians and the Minnesota Twins are seven games behind the Indians. Like what an absolute train wreck of a division Unless, unless the say, Indians, I didn't see that coming from the Twins. Unless, I mean, I know they sold during the deadline, but I did not see the no. Twins doing as bad as they were going to do. Unless the Indians finish the season undefeated, unless they win the next five games, the Chicago White Sox are the only above 500 team in the division. And then, <laughs> that, um, and, and then you look around. The AL East, every team in the division is in playoff contention, yeah. except for Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Except for Baltimore. Toronto, Boston, and New York are slugging out one of the one of the great end of the year lugfests yeah. of all time. Look at the West: Astros, Mariners, A's, all over five hundred, all fighting for playoff positioning or 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 playoff berths. Go to the National League: Atlanta, Philadelphia, the uh, uh, both over five hundred. That's not a great division. Most teams under five hundred. Uh, Milwaukee, St. Louis, Cincinnati, all going to finish over five hundred. The NL West, uh, the bottom of the West isn't great, but two teams over. And we're the only division with one team that's going to finish over 500. The yeah. NL Central is a disaster. It's bad. It's kind of kind of the forgotten stepchild of baseball this year. So let's talk real quick. Let's let's not be overly negative. The Cleveland Guardians are starting, and and listen. Bob DiBiaseo hinted at it. If you didn't listen to our episode with Bob DiBiaseo, go listen to it. It was really, really good. He hinted at it. He said, our payroll isn't going to be this next year. He said that. Yeah. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's true. He's the (laughs) PR guy. He's got to say things like that. Right. But he said that. 
I would not anticipate seeing the Indians payroll what it is now next year. That means they have to add payroll. Now, how do they add payroll? Does that mean signing uh, Jose Ramirez to an extension? Maybe. Does that include a Shane Bieber extension? Maybe. That would be nice. Those would be great. That would be really nice. Does it necessarily mean you're going to go sign a bunch of players? Uh, Maybe, maybe not. But what was the last extension that was exciting that the Indians have signed? Was it Jose? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, yeah. (laughs) Maybe. That's kind of weird. Has it been multiple years since we've been excited about a player getting a Kluber? Was it Kluber? And then Jose? Yeah. Yeah. It might have been it might have been Corey Kluber like four years ago. But listen, we we have been told from Bobby D, uh, from Bobby, uh, that that uh, things should improve on the payroll side of things. So okay. So then let's look at the team and let's look at some of the bright spots. Um, your pitching staff is still a bright spot. Shane Bieber healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Plesac, uh created a lot more questions this, this year than he did answers. This was a guy that, that you kind of thought was going to be like. What a train. Yeah, Zach Plesac, you thought well, you were just going to pencil in as your number two starter. He wasn't good really all year. He still oh. finishes over 500, and he battled injuries. But, but man, well, some of. Battled self-inflicted. Oh, that's fine, but he did. He did. Man. Uh, I broke my hand the other day, ripping off my shirt too. So I totally relate, Zach. <laughs> I totally yeah. relate. All right, don't give him too hard. It was a freak accident. Uh, uh, but two pitchers in that rotation um, and Savali. So those three guys are still going to be your top three. But man, we had a lot of questions, and early in this season, if you'll remember. There were not a lot of answers. Tristan McKenzie did not look like an answer early in the season. Cal Quantrill was in the bullpen. Uh, there was no other answers going, and they were who were they starting? They kept starting uh, Elijah Morgan, Eli Morgan. No, they were starting other players that were really bad, and then they stopped starting them. And I can't remember H- who they were. Hentages, hentages. Oh, hentages! They did. Uh, who's the uh, the other young guy that never won any games? I don't know. They were just starting a lot of bad pitchers. Um, and then, uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, about the, about the all-star break, Cal Quantrill, spectacular. The whole, the whole second half of the season, Cal Quantrill has been spectacular. Right. Outside of injuries, uh, Tristan McKenzie, spectacular. Yeah. Tristan McKenzie came back absolutely fantastic. Uh, and all of a sudden the pitching staff is like, Okay, now we feel like we are good there. If you came into the season next year and said our rotation is going to be Bieber, Plesak, Savali, uh, McKenzie, and Cal Quantrill, I'm happy with that. Yeah, I'm I'm super happy with that. Is there a most improved uh, player award in baseball? Because like Tristan McKenzie or Cal Quantrill should be up for that. I mean, you feel like you feel like they could be up for that, right? Uh. But I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I guess. All right. All right. Logan Allen. Oh, Logan Allen. Who else was out there? Yes. JC Mejia. Uh, that's oh, JC. JC Mejia was. Uh, there were a bunch of them there, and that's okay. Not everybody's going to be good. Listen, they got. They had questions. The pitching staff questions. Plesac turned into a question. How about the biggest question? The guy that turned into the biggest question that was that came into the season as an exclamation point. 
How about James Karen Jack? <laughs> yeah. What? Sucks when he can't use a sticky substance. I'm That's saying. I've never seen somebody fall off like James Karen Jack did. He was a disaster this year. Can he? He was. He still. You Darvish level of disaster. But he still throws like 99 miles an hour. So right, can you get it right? Can it. you get it right? You know what? Like, I'm confident in him uh, because, like, I think he was so used to whatever because he was clearly a violator in this situation. Oh, yeah. Um, violator. A violator. <laughs> He's a violator. He was the violator. But I think, I think that's a really um, – and this is not a defense. I think this is a really tough thing to go through in a season to, like, completely change – from cheating at a game to like doing it the correct way. And that's probably hard to do. Like, you know, when you're in the middle of it, I think if he spends the off season working on different command things, uh, maybe you can have a, a nice little comeback season next, next year. That's what I'm really hoping for. Uh, you got your closer, which is nice. The menu of clause yeah. is a beast. There's a lot to be excited about on the pitching step. There's a lot to be excited about on the other side. There's not a lot to be excited about. <laughs> There's not a lot to be excited about. You know they're going to do. The one thing you know they're going to do is they're going to trot back out here with Roberto Perez and, and Austin Hedges, and that makes me gag a little bit. But that's what they're going to do. Okay. But, like, they got to figure out. you got to figure out if Bobby Bradley's something. Because Bobby Bradley looks like something sometimes, and then other times Bobby Bradley doesn't look like squat. Same, like, same with Bradley No, Zimmer. Bradley Zimmer's not squat. He hits really, really fun yeah, runs. Really. Every, every every home run he hits. Every couple weeks. Once every 31 at bats, Bradley Zimmer hits a 452-foot home run. I don't know how he does it. Uh, uh, he can't be your starting outfielder. No. He can't. Nope. Uh, you can't have this hodgepodge. Uh, and, and you know what? I, I'm going to go back to, like, you know, we've talked about Miles Straw, and we've talked I, I think we were talking about at, with Adam the Bull. I think it's like Fran Mill and Jose Ramirez. And Ahmed, I'll give Ahmed Rosario, man. I was hard on that oh. dude all oh, season and, long. Um, Josh Naylor. I don't think you should leave Josh Naylor. I'm not yet. leaving him out, but and, and of the rest of the team, like he's the guy where I'm like, okay, I'm cool with a spot for Josh Naylor. But for me, it's Ahmed Rosario, Jose Ramirez, Fran Mill Reyes, and literally everybody else could be different next year. Right. Yep. Literally everybody. You want to give Josh Naylor? I'm cool with Josh Naylor. But everybody else could be different. And what would it matter? What would it matter? Dude? Sorry. I like Miles Straw. I think Miles Straw could be an okay player, but he's not. I'm not building a team around Miles Straw. No, you should. <laughs> no. no, I mean, if, he, if he's a cheap player to keep, then worth keeping. But if, if, if he gets expensive or his contract's up and we got to extend him, then. We can't be trotting out Ernie Clement, Owen Miller, Yu Chang all in the same damn lineup. This uh, can't be happening next year. It can't be happening. These are guys that like shine for a minute and then it's like, Oh, fizzle. And they're gone. Well, it's, a, it's actually really unfair to them because like, like as, as tedious as it is to come up to the major league level to basically have half of your starting offense be players that like you should be like showcasing throughout the year, like bring them up for a week or two, send them back down, get some work done. Half our lineup with us, those players that had to stay because we had no other choice 
I mean, Christ, look at the lineup tonight. Miles Straw, Ahmed Rosario, Jose Ramirez, Fran Mil Reyes. Okay. Great. Especially right. two through four right there. Good. Fine. Yeah, that's a solid. That's a solid. Harold solid. Ramirez, who's having a good game tonight. I don't mind Harold Ramirez. But once again, if Harold Ramirez is your worst outfielder, then you're fine. He but if he's be one of your like best your outfielders, we got a problem. He should be your agent. Yes. And then it's you, Ching, Owen Miller, Austin Hedges, and Oscar Mercado. That's the bottom four of the line. Yeah. Can't happen. It's got to oh. be addressed. And I think it will. I think it will. So listen, what I will say is this for as atrocious as a lineup as that is, and that is an atrocious freaking lineup. That is an atrocious lineup. This is a team that's battling to get to 500 on the year. These guys that don't belong where they are. No offense. They don't belong where they are, are battling to get to 500. Good for them. I, I appreciate the effort. The Indians can't come with the same lineup next year. The Guardians can't come with the same lineup. You can't switch over to the Guardians and approach us with Miles Straw, Med Rosario, Jose Ramirez, Fran Mil Reyes, Harold Ramirez, Yu Chang, Owen Miller, Austin Hedges, and Oscar Mercado. That's your lineup to start next year. You've totally biffed the first year of the Guardians. Yeah. And, and, oh. and I like that. <laughs> biffed. Biffed. You biffed, yeah, it. biffed it. And the thing is, I won't believe it until I see it. I mean, I mean, you can't. You can't with this with this group. Of course. But <laughs> they got to figure it out. And so hopefully they do. And we get a, a, a healthy season going in next year. And there's still a lot to be excited about about the Indians. But we'll see what they do. Or I'm sorry, the Guardians. We'll see what the Guardians do. But the Indians... Uh, after tonight, and again, as we're talking, they're tied 5-5 five to five with the Royals. After tonight, they will have four more games left as the Indians, and then it will be on to Guardian Town. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's just uh, crazy that the baseball season is over. All right, so to wrap up Episode 84, we just want to have a little fun before we get out of here. Uh, we talked Browns, we talked Indians, and now what we want to do is uh, Chad and I, before we came on the episode tonight, we're just kind of chucking some – funny sports movie quotes around. And so here's what we're going to do. We are going to do, we're just going to go in order and we're going to list our three favorite funny sports movie quotes uh, that we can think of. And, uh, and we're going to see, uh, we're going to see if we can make you laugh a little bit because these things just make me laugh every time. But we also wanted to open it up to you guys. If, if you're going to hear our top funny movie quotes uh, for sports, if You've got some ones that you uh, that you think are funnier. Just get on our socials and tell us. So uh, this is going to be like the sports funny movie quote draft. Chad, you're going to go first. Okay. So what? What's? Give us your first, like the first <laughs> funny sports movie quote that you can think of. Well, uh, whenever I think of funny sports movie quotes, I always go to one of my favorite villains of all time, and that's <clears throat> and that's Shooter McGavin. Oh, uh, yes. He's so goddamn funny because <laughs> he's such a dick. And just because such he's a such dick. a dick, he makes me laugh. And in that presser, after he wins the tournament and he just keeps getting asked questions about Gilmore, and I guess I can make this by one A and one B, but I just love it. Like, uh, you know, hey, what do you think of Happy's performance today, Shooter? Uh, I didn't get a chance to see him play. I was too busy winning. <laughs> or 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 the, or then there was the classic yeah how do you finish dead last oh yeah you had a good day though <laughs> <laughs> that's that is so 
uh, Happy Gilmore, one of the all time most quotable movies, uh, funny sports movies. I love uh, the scene in the bar. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you say? Meet you down by the bay? I just may. <laughs> Wait, what is Secret of the uh, Pros? Ninth grade at night. Oh, that fucking asshole. Oh, what a what a move. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I'm up next. And maybe my favorite funny movie quote, the one that gets me is is from a classic. It's one from Cleveland that we love. It's it's from Major League. And it's Bob Euchre just being real disappointed with Ricky Vaughn. I think it's is it Major League Two? Oh, 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 yeah, it is. You talk about the masturbator or the spectator? Yeah. The spectator? Oh. Yeah, that's Major League two. two, isn't it? That's Major, that's Major League two. two. Because <laughs> yeah. Ricky Vaughn is all clean cut all of a sudden, and he's like Charlie <laughs> Sheen in Wall Street for some reason. And Euchre's pissed. He's drinking up in the booth. Uh, Rick Vaughn gives up a, a like 7,000 foot home run, and he just mumbles into the quote That looked like the Terminator, only slower. <laughs> or maybe it was his out-of-stater. Or it could have been the hibernator. That baby is definitely going away for the winter. Whatever, for Vaughn, it might be see you later. He's probably going to become a spectator. It's <laughs> <laughs> the dejected Bob Euchre drunk in the booth. Oh, yeah. Just furious with the team. Uh, that's That's one of my all-time favorites. I think it's been a while since, like, I, I feel like with Bobby Eaker, like, one of the reasons that movie is so relatable, aside from it literally being the Indians, is, like, anytime there's, like, a bad year and you watch that movie, you're like, oh, yeah, that's 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 Ernie Clement up there. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's Bobby Bradley. Oh, yeah. And, like... I mean, I go to just, I mean, the classic, just a bit outside Bob Euchre call just. where Rick Vaughn's playing. And that's Major League One. Just, but, uh, just a bit outside. bit outside. Ball four. Ball eight. Yeah. Ball 12. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, for as bad as sequels usually are, Major League Two is not bad at all. Major League oh, Two is great. Even, great. even being PG-13, like there's so many classic quotes from that, like, Oh, long fly ball, deep right field. Serrano going back. He'll need a rocket up his ass to catch this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically Major League Two's like up here up top, and then like the Dark Knight is like second. Like that's exactly. like yeah. exactly best sequels ever to happen. I love it. I love it. Uh, all right, Joe, go on. I just did mine. So wait, which one was yours? Just a bit outside. Oh, yeah, just a bit outside. Well, you know, okay. Well, I didn't know ball that was going to be yours. Ball twelve. Yeah, I only got so many, you know. You know my my sports movie uh, knowledge base here. <laughs> oh, all right, okay. Uh, all right, Chad, back to you. What? Me? Yeah. Next quote. <laughs> We're doing our top three. I know. Well, my next one is going to come from Caddyshack. Uh, oh. Yeah, that's when uh, Ty Webb is hosting Lacey Underall at his humble oh. abode. Please sing it. Huh? No, 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 please, no, no. Please I'm sing not, the song. No, well, I okay. I mean, I'm not going to sing the song. I'm not going to sing the song. But, like, there's another quote that I love. But I love the song, too. Uh, but it's when they're, you know, flirting. He's getting her a drink. And he comes in and he goes. <laughs> this is probably, like, a, a more unknown quote. Uh, but Lacey, uh, you know, they're having a chat about, you know, you know her uncle. And she goes. You know, my uncle says you have a screw loose, and Ty goes, "Yeah, well, your uncle molests collies." 
<laughs> I, I laugh at that every time. God. Oh, I was born to love, love you. you. I was born to make your, your face. face. <laughs> I, was I was born to rub you. But you, you were born, born to, to rub, rub me first. first. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good yeah i love that <laughs> uncle screws collies <laughs> yeah, that's i love it uh all right uh so i'm gonna go I, I feel like all mine are baseball so maybe i gotta think outside the box here outside of baseball but i'm gonna go to uh just one of the greats growing up to the movie rookie of the year to uh, the 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 worst pitching coach of all time, Phil Brigma, talking to Henry <laughs> Rowan Gardner, <laughs> trying to get him ready to be a big league pitcher, and he goes, "Now, Henry, the key to being a big league pitcher is the three R's: readiness, recuperation, and conditioning." <laughs> you see, after the game, a lot of guys like to ice up their arm. Still, other fellas think that heat is the way to go. But I have discovered the secret, Henry. <laughs> Hot, ice. Hot ice. I heat up the ice cubes. It's the best of both worlds. <laughs> Every time I see it, I'm like, this shit got written into a script. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. I love it. I love it. All right, Joe, were you able to find a second one? All right. Oh, you're muted. Why are you always muted? <laughs> Unmute. Uh, I, I said no. Uh, I mean, no. Figure it out. Skip. There's no skipping. There's no skipping. Oh, oh, I don't know. What are you doing? Your your favorite your favorite movie scene ever was fucking Ricky Bobby stabbing <laughs> himself in the leg. Can't you pull oh. some shit from there? It's like it's like if pickles could be like not a food and could be just like any inanimate object that would be finding movie quotes. Jesus Christ. Just think of movies you like. All right. You better, you better find one more. I'm going to let you just do two. Chad, bring it back to you. Okay. All right. Uh, mine is going to come from major league as well. Major league one, though, this, major league one though, this time. And I, I don't know. I don't know if this made anybody else laugh, but it sure made me laugh. Just because it was when at the time Major League One came out, it was just quintessential. Like Indians were just so terrible. Like nobody wanted anything to do with them, and and, and it just made me laugh every time I hear it because it was like, yeah, it, like, like that's perfect. But it's when Charlie calls Lou Brown, and it, it, at first, and it goes Tire World, and he goes, <laughs> and, and he goes, Lou. Charlie Duncan, Cleveland Indians. How would you like to manage a club this year? And Lou just goes, I don't know. <laughs> he goes, Charlie, I got a guy in the other line about some white walls. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> was, like, it just made me laugh every time because, like, no one wanted to manage the Indians back then because they sucked. <laughs> oh, my God. Just the, the, you know, while Joe tries to figure his shit out over there, the absolute quotability of, uh, of that movie. Joe brought up a great quote, his quote, when he goes, I think we forgot to finish the quote, ball four, ball eight, 
Lowe and Vaughn has walked the bases loaded on 12 straight pitches. Boy, how can these guys lay off pitches that close? <laughs> Listen to that crowd go wild. And I just put it to it. It throws the, the, the mic out the window or, and it's just nobody. Or when they're going over, they're in spring training and they're going over the list of like the invitees and the guy's like, well, this guy here is dead. And they're like, well, cross him <laughs> off then. <laughs> oh, it's great. God. Uh, so, Chad, you and I were doing this before, but I can't I can't get through this without going to a, a gentleman named Ernie Cappadino, <laughs> a.k.a. John Lovitz's character from A League of Their Own. Yeah. One of my favorite characters of all movies ever in history. He was like the recruiter for the Women's Baseball League. And I'm just going to go through a few of my favorite quotes from him. For example, when they're trying to decide whether they're going to go with him and they're at the train station and he looks out the train. And he goes, are you coming? See how it works is the train moves, not the station. Or when he shows them the baseball field for the first time and he goes, Hey, cowgirls, see the grass. Don't eat it. <laughs> or he says, I'm just going home to grab a shower and a shave, give the wife a little pickle tickle, and I'm on my way. <laughs> he is the absolute uh, he is the absolute best part of that movie. I think that's one of my very favorite. Uh, it's one of my very, very favorite uh, movies. Oh, he and Jimmy Dugan make that movie. He and Jimmy Dugan make that movie. <laughs> sir, sir, your knee. <laughs> You like it? <laughs> you like it? <laughs> if I had your job, I'd kill myself. I, I just, you could just go through and through and through the quotes. I don't want you. I want her, the one that hits the ball. You can climb back under the cow. <laughs> and he has that. And John Lovitz has that perfect, like, 1940s, like, ah, see, uh, you, you never catch mm -hmm. me, Capper, see? <laughs> Uh, when he's saying they pay you $75 a week and they're like, well, we only make 30 at the dairy. Well, then this would be more, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, so, yes, Ernie Cappadino is my favorite uh, of the last. Uh, Joe couldn't come up with a third one. You think I'm just not going to call you out on that? No, you couldn't, no, you couldn't quote Talladega Nights. I actually couldn't even come up with the second one. You couldn't quote Blades of uh, of Glory. No, I don't even know what my humps means. Nobody knows what it means, but it's provocative. <laughs> it's the people going. Uh, listen, uh, I think I feel like Chad and I. Chad, do you have any honorable mentions before we go to our three tiers of the week? Oh, God. I mean, I would have to like it would be more serious stuff like 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 Shane Falco, like pain heels, like chicks dig scars, Ooh. pain heels, glory lasts forever. Or, you know, like the program, like starting defense. Place at the table. Woo! Like just Latimer going in a Roy race. Love it. Or, oh, oh, that's a good one. That's a good quote from that's a good quote from uh, that, that movie is when James Todd just totally overlooks Latimer's steroid usage. He's like, and it's not hard to gain 25 pounds over summer. If you hit the gym real hard. If you hit the gym real hard. <laughs> Get in the gym. Uh, yeah. Anyways, we love movie quotes. We wanted a little something just to loosen it up before we get out of here. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for us. We had a great chat about the Browns, a great chat about the Indians. Again, Browns, Indians wrapping up their season this weekend. Uh, the Browns uh, with the game against Minnesota this weekend. Uh, 
catch Chad and I after the game on Sunday, hopefully, if the sound works on Instagram. If not, thanks for liking it anyways. All right, so that's going to do it for us. We had a great episode, uh, uh, a lot of Browns talk, a lot of Indians talk, a little fun there at the end with the movie quotes. Uh, Browns play the Vikings this week. Hopefully, if the sound works on Instagram, you'll see Chad and I, and maybe even Joey, if you can, uh, live after the game to break it down. Hopefully, it's a Browns win. The Indians wrap things up this weekend as well. The last ever Indians game. Make sure you check that out. That's going to take us to our three cheers of the week. And, uh, and boys, I feel like we're probably going to have a unified front on this three cheers of the week, but we'll go through and do it separately anyways. Joey, why don't we start with you? What's your cheer of the week? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're all going to cheers Matt Lodi here. Um, I only had the honor of meeting him the one time during our interview. I think that was last spring, maybe 2020. Yeah, May of 2020. Uh, that was like right when we first started the, the podcast. Um, but you know, I mean, it, it really speaks to someone's character when you can see the outpouring of public support, um, just across Cleveland media, um, you know, uh, everywhere on Twitter is pretty much just praising Matt Lodi and how great of a person he was and, uh, how big of an impact that he had, uh, on, uh, many lives in Cleveland. So, uh, cheers to Matt. Cheers to Matt. Indeed. Let's send it over to Chad. What's your, uh, what's your three cheer of the week, Chad? Yeah. I mean, of course it's going to be Matt. I mean, how, 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 how could I not do that? And, you know, I, I, I expressed my feelings about him, you know, earlier, uh, you know, in, in, in this episode and yeah, just, it's, it, it doesn't change. I mean, I'm going to raise a glass to Matt tonight and um, yeah. Going to miss you, buddy. And that means we got three glasses going up. Our, our three cheers of the week are all going to go out to Matt Lodi as of course mine is going to go up to him as well. I'm going to miss uh, Matt. I'm going to miss you uh, just texting you. Uh, uh, you always have that feeling with a friend uh, that maybe you don't see him as much as he should, but we never felt that way. Uh, it, every time we talked, it was, it was just catching up and, and appreciating the time that we had together. I'm going to miss the text messages I'm going to miss getting together with you and Shanna. Uh, uh, I'm going to miss uh, uh, very much miss calling games with you for WEOL for high school football. Uh, we had a great time up in the booth and, and in general, I'm just going to miss being able to reach out to you and say hi and talk to you whenever uh, Matt Lodi, you were a great friend. Uh, you still are a great friend. I know you're looking down over all of us and you will be sorely missed. Uh, you left an incredible mark on this world. And so all of us raise a glass to you here tonight. Uh, Matt Lodi, a friend of the show, a friend of all of ours, um, a, a wonderful human being. Uh, and this show is dedicated to you. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Garage Beers podcast. Uh, just our thank yous. First of all, our thank you goes to the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network and the Unhinged Radio Network. Go follow them and the other shows on the network. Uh, I know we had advertised that we were going to have Travis Howard on the show he did reach out to us, just so you guys know this. He reached out to us under the weather today. It just was, it, it turned out to be that he wasn't feeling so good. That happens sometimes. So uh, he didn't leave us hanging or anything, but we will get Travis Howard on again. So uh, just if you were wondering where he was to talk Buckeyes, we will certainly do that as the Buckeyes uh, will be playing Rutgers this week. We'll talk to Travis Howard in a week down the road. Um uh, uh, but as always, our biggest thank you goes out to you, the listener. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for listening to us. We've got the best group of listeners out there and it grows every week, which we love. If you love us, you listen to us, tell your friends, 
uh, uh, go out there and share it. Get over to at the Garage Beers on our social medias. Share that with all your friends. Uh, and as we continue to grow this thing, uh, we love having you along for the ride. So for Joey down there in Nashville, Tennessee at Garage Beers, Joe, for Chad over on the east side of Cleveland at Garage Beers, Chad, I am Michael Keefe at Garage Beers, Mike. This has been episode 84. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And until episode 85, cheers, everybody. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.